0: <laughs> Welcome to the Boiled Down Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting, where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live and lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. Hi, Don. I'm Sam,
1: y'all. Sam, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here, Don.
0: You know, I mean,
1: this time I got to actually get away from the place. You know? <laughs> oh, in between? Yeah. I mean, that that being cooped up under the stairs is rough.
0: <laughs> it, it's a nice little place under there, but I've got to apologize for the smell in here. My wife is making a cake. It's going to be a strawberry layer cake, and I'm really excited about it. It's a cake that she made for my son on his birthday, which is April 25th. Okay. And he's 29, 28 years old now. you got to get that this right. Year. Well, yeah, this year he's going to be 28. He doesn't come home anymore even on his birthday. But you still get cake. No! She <laughs> quit making cake oh, no. when he left. And I've not had a strawberry cake since. And it's it's broken my heart. But, I, you know, I can't really complain because she, um, she'd she like to start making it and the cake batter would be diluted with her tears as she was making it for,
1: oh. for her son who was gone. Oh.
0: And you, I can't make her make the cake, you know, it's just too emotionally uh, much for her, but she's agreed to do it this year, so... We're having to put up with the smell of baking cake. I get to lick the bowl and the beaters. Okay, I'll let you have the beaters. We have a guest. We do have a guest. Hi, Randy. Hey, how are you?
1: I'm all right. Glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here, too. You doing well? I am doing well. How about S- you? Still doing well. Good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Randy, thanks for coming to the Boiled Out Coffee Club. Thanks for having me. What let me ask you, what was going through your, yourself emotionally when you first got sober, when you first decided to come to AA, what was it like inside? Oh my God. You know,
2: if I look back at those days, it was, there were a lot of clouds inside. There was a lot of fog in there. You know, I, I really couldn't think very clearly when I first got sober. And I think that had a lot to do with me getting sober. I just couldn't put... Memories together and thoughts together. So mm-hmm. that's sort of what happened to me when I first came into the program. The,
0: you think that that was the driving thing that you said inside of yourself that was. It like, was that confusion
2: inside that was a driving thing. Definitely, I didn't um, like the way I was feeling. I didn't think other people felt that same way inside, or that they did. They certainly didn't act like it. So I didn't want to continue that way. Mm-hmm. And was it there were blackouts? There were blackouts um, right before I got sober. I didn't have blackouts until right before I got sober. Uh Um, I woke up probably two days before I decided to finally make this work. I woke up and I had been in a fight and I didn't remember the fight. Ooh! So I just woke up with bruises and and a cut on my head. That's fair. Yeah, so that was (laughs) kind of a rude awakening not to remember getting hit in the face. So Absolutely. But I, that, that was, it was the mental fog more than, that, it than was, blackouts. Yeah, it was the mental fog. Because even when I came to, even when I wasn't in a blackout, it, things always just seemed in that dream state, not, or I should say nightmare state, they didn't, they didn't feel clear or mm-hmm. they didn't feel focused. Like I, everything always kind of felt soft around the edges. So really just not, not quite there with what's going on in your life. Yeah, not quite there. Yeah, not quite there. Just like I like that feeling when you first wake up and you have to kind of try to think about things, that was my constant day. Ooh, so so I mean it's like that that inability to differentiate the true
1: from the false. Yes. Like when you're first waking yes. up and you're having to like figure out what just happened
2: was dream and now yes. we're really awake. Exactly. And yeah. that but that was my entire day. Gotcha. Wow. So I, I would get like little flashbacks and have to ask myself. Did that happen, Mm -hmm. or was it just something I just thought of? Wow. Yeah, I get that. Mm -hmm. So were were you drinking out of control? I was drinking out of control. I actually had a drinking and a drug problem. Mm -hmm. Um, So combined, I don't think I was ever completely sober. I think I I would always, on some kind of substance, whether it be alcohol or drugs, I was always on something. Mm -hmm. One or the other. One or the other. Yeah.
0: Or both. So. I was just just trying to think back of uh, the confusion that I felt. I think I felt more despair when I first got sober than confusion. So describe that more. How, like, what was your drinking like, and what was the what what got you to come? Gun- well, let me ask this: Where had you heard of AA? I had
2: heard of AA. Actually, I um, it took me three years in AA to finally get a sobriety date that I could rely on. Oh, Um, I see. So I actually was in and out of AA for three years. Mm -hmm. Um, But the first time I got sober, I didn't get sober for me. I got sober to actually try to avoid a legal problem. Oh. (laughs) I avoided the legal problem. (laughs) (laughs) And then ultimately went back to drinking while still going to AA. Um, Actually, I had found friends. I think maybe that had a lot to do with the confusion. Um, Right. So you were like consciously, you knew you were an alcoholic and drinking. Yes. I knew I was an alcoholic and drinking. And going to AA. And And going going to AA. AA. And having friends in recovery. And having friends in recovery. And trying not to let them know I was drinking. Wow, that's a hell of a combination. (laughs) That's a lot to try to manage. It is. So you just drink more so you don't have to worry about it. That I can relate to. But I can see how that would be a psychic pain. It is. The the bizarre thing is, I actually had a friend in the program doing the exact same thing. Did you know? Yeah, we both do. Oh, y'all were drinking together. We, yeah, we planned it all together. <laughs> wow. And the and,
0: expression is a belly full of alcohol and, and a head and full of egg. Egg. yes. And yeah. I lived that
2: way for three years, so that was tough. So that's yeah. the confusion, yeah. the despair I had. Re- I had passed that stage. Uh-huh. I had reached the despair, and I understood the despair. Mm-hmm. I just sort of was wallowing in that. So the the despair—is that what drove
1: you to AA? And then in those three years of in and out, is when the confusion was really the bigger thing. It is. It is. Gotcha. So when you, uh, so when the the despair drove you to AA, yes. And you checked out some meetings. Did you get any time at all in those?
2: Actually, yeah. You know, I would. I probably when the first time around when when I came to AA, I probably had almost a year before I finally drank.
1: Okay, so you had time yeah, then had time. for your
2: life to get better, yes.
1: so yes. that means that the despair
2: kind of did take that yes. second seat, Yes. and and I, I, okay, I really get right. how the confusion immediate was the problems. big thing then. I know a lot of people come into AA, and I was one of those. I, I came into AA to, to, to cure the immediate problems. Yes. I didn't realize there were a whole bunch of other problems. <laughs> <laughs> so once the yeah. immediate problems were, were gone, I relaxed to the stage where I didn't keep my defenses, and, and, I, and I drank. But I was too ashamed to tell anybody that I drink, and so it just perpetuated, right. and I drink more and more and more. Yeah, my
0: uh, my second meeting, I heard somebody say, I, it was a discussion meeting, and I talked about my work, and I was going, oh, it's just, it, everything is out of control, and it's like I was talking about my uh, my work life and how unmanageable it was, and somebody in the meeting said, well, you know we are powerless over a lot more than just alcohol, and I was going, "Whoa, this is deep. Oh, this is going to go really deep here." Wait a minute, I might need to smoke a joint to get this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, powerless over everything. It's, it's it was hard
2: to take. It is hard to take. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, it's it's that. Defeat, which I understand now—it's a whole different concept now. But at the time, who wants to admit defeat?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: How long have you been sober? Um, it'll be fifteen years in May. Mm-hmm. So, Sweet, yeah, coming up. Yay, yay! Hey, don't drink, okay? No, <laughs> okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of other stuff. I don't do. Yeah, yet. don't do that either. Okay.
0: <laughs> so, what was difficult? What was what was one of the first hurdles that you had in AA? To uh, was hard for you to handle.
2: As a concept, or as a, a, a or concept,
0: or a thing to do. Well,
2: you know what hit me hard, and it's hit me hard, and it still hits me hard when I read it. Um, and this, but it's my favorite chapter in the book is the selfishness, self-centered uh, paragraph, and driven by a hundred forms of fear, we step mm-hmm. on the toes of our fellows, and they retaliate. That particular line, I, I, I had to read it a couple times because I was always oh, I'm the nice guy, even as a drunk, I was the nice guy, and it took me a. A while to realize that, you know, all these nice things I did all had these selfish motives, and that first concept that I was a selfish, self-centered individual was hard to swallow. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really was.
0: Yes, there were certain words I didn't like. God, God, God is one. (laughs) I read that as dog. So (laughs) (laughs) Character, you're dyslexic. Character defects I didn't like. Because I didn't like anybody telling me that I'm defective. I mean, i really recoiled from character defects. Right. So I, I'm not defective. Insanity was the one that I could not handle. Right. Not okay. And I have problems with that, too. That
1: returned me to in, return me to insanity. Returned me to sanity. <laughs> I mean, I really struggled with what, my response. What do you mean, sponsor. insane? Exactly. Right. I, I, was, I was a little butthurt on that one. I mean, it's like... I'm not insane. And it took some working through talking with her and and actually exploring that to get that the the insanity was that my life goes to absolute shit when I drink, and yet I keep on
0: drinking. Right. (laughs) Yes. And that that proved to me that there was insanity in the fact that I would pretend that I didn't have a problem. Yeah. And I could really... Convince myself that I was choosing to drink when in fact I had no choice in it at all. Absolutely I think they call it denialism. Denial, yeah <laughs> absolutely.
1: <laughs> you know and that thing too was that that prejudiced view of the word Insanity or, right. or, or insane as being you know, something extreme right. now yeah, alcoholism can be pretty extreme. But I mean, but looking at it, I was looking
2: like, you know, I needed to be committed somewhere is what right. insanity was. That's what I thought too. I understand that because, you know, I come from a southern family. We have a lot of insanity, but that insanity is different than what yeah. I- <laughs> so I, I, when people said I was insane I was thinking of all oh, my crazy on Alice but I wasn't like her so I right, was insane right.
1: and besides in the south we put our crazy people right. up on the front porch exactly. right so, <laughs> so how is
0: or upstairs <laughs> in one of the bedrooms or under the stairs <laughs> or under the stairs <laughs> get back in there. with the owl I'll boil you next <laughs> Get a, better get a bigger pot <laughs>
2: So, Rand, you didn't get sober here, did you? No, I actually got sober in Southern California, Palm Springs. I was living in Palm Springs at the time and um, first went into the program in 1999. My goal was to enter the new millennium sober. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a turnover new leaf.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah it didn't happen, but it, <laughs> was, it was a goal. <laughs> um, but in Palm Springs, the, the amount of recovery, the amount of number of meetings available is incredible. So it didn't take long to have a support group, but I realized I needed to use the support group. I needed to call my support group. I needed to ask for help when I needed it in order for that to work. Right. Um, so that participation did. Just participation, having something doesn't right? really work. Yeah, even if they're there and you don't tell them what's happening, they they don't know. They can
1: they need to help you. So. Yeah. So, so you've, um, in, in your moving then, in, in recovery, you've experienced AA, um, I imagine, some significant differences.
2: I have. Because we're talking like great distance there. Yeah, I have. And it's, and it's very different. I mean, uh, recovery yeah. on the West Coast compared to meetings on the East Coast, they're like night and day. I mean, I, I miss clapping. <laughs> I, oh, I, was just, I was just at
1: something earlier today, and, I, and people clapped after someone shared, and I didn't. And my friend was looked at me looked funny, and I'm like, I'm not <laughs> from California. Yeah, That's no. exactly what
2: I said. I, I like that. I like that. I like cake for birthdays at the beginning of the meeting. I like that. So, <laughs> and, and around here we do it at the end meeting, of the meeting, meeting. There's no cake. <laughs> oh, you're going to the wrong meeting. No, so. right? Yeah, there are some that have cake. <laughs> So, wait a minute, clapping during the meeting? After everyone share, after anyone speaks, actually, there's this clapping. And it's awkward at first. Somebody will have this heartfelt share and and maybe even tears are involved. And then after they finish, everyone will clap. But the whole idea is
0: that it's, this is. That strikes me as performance, like it's a performance. I think it's more a sign of support. Yeah, that's that's the way it's intended. Yeah,
2: it's intended to show that we're all here supporting you. So it's a different culture. Yeah, Yeah, and and we're clapping. We're applauding your ability to open up. We're Mm -hmm. applauding your ability to come clean. We're applauding your your ability to to Mm -hmm.
1: be truthful. And I, my experience of, of clapping it uh, has been particularly at uh, uh, roundups and, and recovery conferences and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and like Randy said, you know, they, they clap after everything. I right. mean, so I was at uh, in the Florida roundup uh, a month ago or so, and part of the um, the opening readings that they did there was the one tradition that corresponded with the month. So they read the third tradition, and it was it's so short, mm-hmm. so the person takes you know two minutes to walk up to the stage, reads this one sentence, and then everybody <laughs> applauds. Good job, good job. And it's two minutes for them to get back to their seats. <laughs> so, but yeah, but it, it really is a, a it is a supportive thing. Right. It's a it's a good job. I'm glad you glad right. you did that. Thanks right. for doing that.
0: Yes. Type well, of thing. well, here it has become popular to applaud at the end of the give your higher power a hand for the chips you hold. Yes. I think yeah. when somebody picks yes. up the chips and everyone applauds higher power i'm wondering if we're going to turn to like sacrifice everybody sacrifice a small mammal to the higher power or what because it just seems like my higher power doesn't require praise to be able to it sounds like an old testament god to me Squish god requires adoration or god will be very jealous i mean this is what runs through my mind and i need to settle down but I don't,
2: you know that. <laughs> that talked with different. your sponsor about that? <laughs> <laughs> that? That clapping is different. I think I, I don't. I mean, I you know, I, it is awkward for me to clap for that reason. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. 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 I do because yeah. it's not a supportive clap at that right. point. It's sort of I'm proud of myself. Clap. The, yeah, the, and I don't think it's really that. I think it's no. just
0: custom to a well, way to, it, to move to another section of the meeting. <laughs> or include those from California. <laughs> there you <Yeah>. know, maybe. <laughs> There's another thing that I experienced
1: going to meetings in California or being at, at places where California AAs are, and recovery people have been, and that is the, the callbacks. Did y'all have those in Palm Springs? The callbacks. What's so, that? Um, so, for instance, where someone is reading um, How It Works – I wish I had it in front of me right now, but it's it, it, it. there are points when they're like hollering out. The audience is or the rest of the oh, meeting yes, is hollering yes, something yes, out yes, during the meeting. Yes, we meetings. did have that. Yes, you did especially. have that. We
2: did have that. So That is definitely a West Coast thing. It is a West Coast thing. And at the end of the meeting, there was all this, I called it rolling the credits, because then they think, everybody... Oh, oh yes! <laughs> I, yes, I've heard someone <laughs> do that, and it's, I definitely felt like it,
0: it was credits. Right. Was like,
2: I always kind of, that kind of, I just was never really into that. <laughs> so we don't need the credits. <laughs> But these are just different customs. Right. things
0: are just different in different places and, but it took and, me a
2: while to get used to that.
0: It's kind of a, yeah. tra- that's one of the things about travel that's so cool is that you if you go to meetings all over, you'll see these things that are different and the things that aren't different are the things that are important right. And so it has helped me to not get
2: attached.
0: To really peripheral things. Applaud, applauding and not applauding are peripheral. It's not really important. It's not important. It's yeah. not
2: important. Chip colors, not yeah, really important. It's not. Um, it was just all I knew. Mm-hmm. And so as I expanded, as I got, the longer I stayed sober and went to different meetings, I knew they didn't clap on the East Coast when I got here. But there's just, you know, there's that. Everything was new. Everything was different. Well, and The you people said, were different. You'd feel outside. So I felt that outside. It took me a while to feel connected with AA once I moved across the country. Uh-huh. So what did you do to to help build that connection? Did you go to 90 and 90 or anything I like that? I didn't go to 90 and 90. And I wish I would have. I, I would recommend doing that. Anytime you change locations, I did not. Okay. Um, but what I finally did was in the meeting, I just opened up and said, I can't connect. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am trying to connect, and I can't do it. And there's enough people who will come to you after the meeting, and they will connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now I've been able to look back and see my part in all that, what I wasn't doing, what I wasn't, how I wasn't participating, and all the opportunities that I let pass me by. So I quit doing that. And now I jump at the chance to connect with other AAs or other... Um, people in recovery
1: that's fantastic I mean when you and I were at that roundup and uh, and I was telling you about the boiled owl right. you, you jumped it right at, at that I right. love that right. yeah um that's one of the things that happened for me in early recovery my instant answer was no right. anytime anybody asked me anything when I first came into these rooms and before um it was no no, no. I'm not joining no 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 um. don't no no <laughs> um and and then one day and it was probably I don't know two or three weeks within um, that I started getting aware of that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't choose to say yes yet. <laughs> but somewhere shortly thereafter, I said yes. Some folks that you know, I'd started to get to know in the meeting said, do you want to go to coffee? And I said yes. That's when my world started opening up. That's when I started getting connected, mm-hmm. as you said. It's when I became part of the fellowship. I wasn't just at the meeting. Because I can't get to know people in recovery at the meeting. I can know a little bit about them. Mm-hmm. But it's the meeting before the meeting, the meeting after the meeting. What this is built around, the Boiled Out um, Coffee Club, mm-hmm. is built at, uh, around the meeting after the meeting. And this is where we get to know people. Mm-hmm. It's a really big deal because that's where the connections, mm-hmm. that's where I got comfortable with talking with people, with picking up the phone
2: and saying, hey, this is going on or help or hey, you want to go do something? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it is. I mean, it doesn't stop. It's not not in the confines of that hour or hour and a half that you're at a meeting. There's so much more that's available to us and we have to grasp it. And it's
0: also a willingness to be open. It is. Which is hard at first to be open, to trust people and be open and put my hand out and be vulnerable. Right. Well, I mean, that's, part of my character defects. <laughs>
1: but, for you, fear. but for you to share in that meeting, to realize that I'm not connected and I really need right. to be connected and to open up in a meeting and be that
2: vulnerable and say, right. I, I'm not connecting with y'all and I need to. Well, that I think, and I don't want to draw from experience. I'm not going to say this is something everyone should try, but that is the experience, my experience as a relapser. Okay. I, I can draw from my experiences of how I felt when I relapsed. And I actually used that, and I think that's what kept me sober. Um, I was going to these meetings in Palm Springs, and I'd get, like, four or five days, and then i relapsed. relapse. I'd get four or five days, and I'd relapse. And everybody at this point knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten up probably, like, four or five days again, and I was tired of picking up 24-hour chips, and I'd sit right next to the exit door, prepared to bolt at any moment. But I finally spoke up, and I said, I don't know why I relapsed. I don't know what it is. All I know is I feel that way today wow and things everything changed from that day forward that's not my sobriety date but that's the date everything changed because i actually found it within me to ask for help to tell people how i was feeling to open up and it's i never had to look back it's it was a scary day but now looking back at one of the best days i've ever had yeah randy that's a fantastic thing to it share
1: it because it's 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 one of those things that i mean those of you who are listening right now, there's some direction. <laughs> Ask for help. That's right. Um, and seriously, I mean, every time that I open up and tell higher power, first of all, it starts off in prayer for me, of mm-hmm. that realization, I'm not, I, I need something. Mm-hmm. I've got something, there's something missing. And then when I'm finding the action to take, that action being that little boy, that little voice in the back of my head, or, or that little nudge, or just whatever awareness happens happens to happen, uh, <laughs> that says, "Sam, do this. Mm-hmm. I got to step through that fear in that moment yes. and do it, and my world opens up, mm-hmm. and I wind up getting what I need." Mm-hmm. It's amazing how that works. It really is.
0: Randy, what's uh, something that's happened to you since you've in recovery? that's not a beginner's thing, like it's something that's happened where you've learned
2: something about the steps? or Oh, well, actually a pretty big thing. Once I admitted that I was a prideful, selfish, (laughs) self-centered person and I could start dealing with that. Back in Palm Springs, I owned my own business. And when I was sober, eight years, nine years, I was forced to close that business. Uh, the, The economy had tanked. Things were not looking good, and I actually had to do that sober. I had to let people go. I had to tell some people they weren't going to get paid. I mean, things like that. It was a very, very, hum- for lack of a better word, humiliating experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it was, but, I, but it had to be done. I mean, so sober me did it. If I hadn't been sober, I probably would have just avoided it and disappeared, which. When run That's the wrong thing. I, run off. I was a runner, but I was, that was how I probably would have handled it. So that's something that I did. That I'm actually looking back. When they say we don't wish to shut the door on our past or, or regret it, that, that's that's something I don't regret. I learned a lot from that experience. I learned a lot about other people. I learned about how much other people will respect you if you're honest with them. This uh, surprising. It was surprising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's a very valuable lesson. To have to go through that.
0: How did you, specifically, how did you use the program to do that? To go through that time of turmoil?
2: Um, well, I mean, I, first of all, I mean, to look at the steps. I didn't, I, I admitted I was powerless over what was happening. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that I could do to stop this. This was powers greater than me closing in. So once I did that, I was able to ask for help. I was able to share about it. I had a very close knit circle, my Safety net I like to call it. Uh-huh. Who supported me. So you had um, your your sponsor and yes, other people. Other people. People who maybe had gone through similar circumstances. Because if you open up about these things, you'll find that A hey, is full of people who have gone through all kinds of experiences. No matter what. Absolutely. Yes. And they can be there for you and they can help you. you know, this is what you need to do. A, B, C. And um, So you literally ask for help in the meeting. No, nah, maybe not in the in the meeting. I asked my sponsor for help and uh-huh. and, and more of a uh, more of a uh, meeting after the meeting mm-hmm. environment. Yeah, I, I asked for help. I, I mean, I wouldn't recommend opening up completely about certain things. In
1: a, we share in a general way. Yes, yeah, we share mean. in a general. Way. <laughs> um,
2: um, but I did. I mean, we were able to look about how if I approach, if I didn't face it, if I just let it go, circum- you know, that what would happen, right. how I could damage lives, how I, you know, just like I did when I was drinking. So I just handled that situation differently.
1: It's a great story, and, and what I'm hearing is integrity. You know, yeah. integrity, I think, shows up in us when we get sober and we work right. the steps. We live this program. Right. And it's it's something that you know I think we all have by nature, but as an alcoholic, I like squashed the hell out of my integrity so right. that I could live the way I wanted to live. Right, right. And when I got sober, I found that living out of integrity. Really sucked, and I don't want to feel that.
2: Right, I don't either. I don't want to feel that either. I mean, and and you can feel it. The minute you try to get out of something, or the minute you try to avoid something, you feel that. You know, you have that feeling now that I used to numb, and I respond to it, and I realize now the quicker I respond to it, the quicker it goes away, the quicker (laughs) the problem resolves, and I can move on with my life. And so, yeah, that to me, that's integrity. Absolutely, and that you just described tenth step work there too. Exactly. Exactly. And I do, I'm do. i a firm believer in attempts that I do that every night. I try not to go to bed with things I need to deal with. Um, or if I do need to deal with them, I make sure I deal with them the next morning or as quickly as possible.
0: Because it's uncomfortable it's at this uncomfortable. point after you're sober long yes. enough. Yes. I don't want to sit in the turmoil no. of feeling bad about what I said to somebody right, or right, what exactly. I did. And it's like, it's just no, it's like, I got to, I got to fix this. Right. Because it's going to be better. It's, my experience is, life will be better if I go ahead and fix it. Yes. And if I don't, you
1: know, some of these just, they fester just a little and it becomes one of those things where it's uncomfortable to be around that person. Right. But others fester horribly and grow into resentment and cause all kinds of additional problems. Right. Right. This is why we clean things up as we go. Exactly. Exactly.
0: I was thinking though, Integrity is not something that I can really aim for, kind of like humility. Right. Like, if I am consciously humble at all times, then I'm <laughs> nice. false. It's false humility. Right. It's, not, it's not really going to be happening. Well, I just want you to know that I've
1: tried this in many <laughs> meetings, and it's always flopped, but I am the humblest person I <laughs> know. Thanks for laughing.
0: <laughs> But I So I, it's the result of other things. It's the result of being honest in all my affairs and yes. cleaning up the mess. If I make a mistake, I correct it as soon as possible. And if I focus on those things, then the result will be integrity. I really uh, like that, yeah. mm-hmm. the result. Integrity yeah. is okay. a result of the other things that it's I do. It's a result of the other and Like humility. Still, yeah.
1: That's,
0: Depending on God. Like humility comes from... If I'm focused on my humility, I'm not surrendering to my higher power. I'm focused on myself, and you know another thing is if I'm focused on my humility,
1: I'm focused <laughs> on me. That's right. Yeah. I'm back in that right. self-centered yeah. big time. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I'm doing great. <laughs> I am humble, <laughs> the
1: humblest person I right know.
0: <laughs> What's uh? What's happening with you now?
2: What's happening with me now is I've gone back to school. That's oh, that's exciting. And I'm cool. actually going back to school for personal growth. There's no goal. There's no, there's no career goal. There's no income goal. I'm actually going back because I'm learning something that I enjoy. Yeah. And I think that's new. Studying uh, what? I'm studying documentary studies. Mm-hmm. So I'm just learning how to do this type of thing. How to ask questions, how to interview, how to, you know, capture a moment as far as uh, like in a film or in a photography type of thing. Ah, are you a photographer? I am a photographer yeah. now that I got sober. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's one of those things that popped up. Were you before creative I before? I don't know. Uh-huh. I think I wanted to be, but I wouldn't let myself be. You know, that whole fear of failure, fear to try. I mean, I got stuck in all that before I got sober also wouldn't want to try anything for for fear that I wouldn't succeed at it or be oh, the absolute best. I can, can identify <laughs> with that. Right. So once I got past that in, in sobriety, I'm able to try things. So I tried photography. I liked it. So yeah, and I tried writing and I liked it. Mm-hmm. So now I'm actually going to school to better myself at that mm-hmm. for no other reason than I want to do it. Well, that's, yeah, that's great. It's right. a fantastic way to go. And it's, it's one of those things that, that, as a drunk,
1: I had lists of things that right. I wanted to do. And things like going to school right. and, 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 you know, what what you are just talked about. And those were things that never got checked off of a list. Right. And in sobriety, that, what it's
2: called today, the bucket list, <laughs> those things get checked off. They do. You know, I've done incredible things since I've gotten sober. Before I got sober, I... I think leaving the house was (laughs) (laughs) was Yes (laughs) (laughs) But since getting sober I've ridden a bicycle across Alaska Oh wow I've roped cattle on a 27,000 acre ranch in Wyoming Cool Um, These are all these things that I just You would think about as a kid or even as a young adult That I would never even attempt to try But you know when, when your head is clear And you understand the fears that you're going through And you understand your character defects You can do things you can like have these experiences your life can get really your big can are get... really big <laughs> I um, I always wanted to learn
0: to play the piano and I took piano lessons when I was drinking and the tension was so great I asked my piano teacher do you mind if I bring a beer <laughs> and she said yes <laughs> I mean, I, I, she said I mean she said no you can bring one so I would bring a tall schlitz malt liquor and set it on on a coaster on the end of the piano because I couldn't handle <laughs> the pressure of not already knowing how to right, play the piano. Right. Yes, and um, once I got sober, I was able to take piano lessons and I learned to play. And I learned it was very hard, and yes. I don't do it anymore. But <laughs> I <laughs> but did you, learn. But to, you gave it a serious try. Yeah, I, for seven years I learned to read wow. music, and okay. then, you know I learned to play. I learned oh, yeah. to
2: play, but. I did the same thing with the banjo, but I realized after about two months that I had no musical inclination whatsoever. And I was able <laughs> right. to let it go. <laughs> right. Right. But then you explored it and, right. and
0: found, you know,
2: found that I was not.
0: You didn't turn away from it just right. because you were scared of it. Right. You know, one of the first classes that I took just to help me
1: when I uh, was getting sober was typing. Go ahead. they you know they taught typing in high school when i was in high school but i was like who who the hell needs typing <laughs> yeah. and and they called it typing then too yeah. it wasn't keyboarding or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is now and now, uh, and so i never got type. that and and even on a keyboard i mean my brain goes way too fast for my hand to write but trying to to type my thoughts out it was just a chore because there was lots of backspace um going on and so i I went to the local community college and took a a, a typewriting class or a keyboarding Mm -hmm. class and the purpose of that was so that i could write what was going on in my head in early recovery because it was i found that if i could capture this stuff that it stopped spinning in my head right and so that was the first thing that I did that I, I you know, I started so many courses. Note I said started right. when I was drinking and drinking always won. Mm-hmm. I would stop going because I wanted to go get drunk after work mm-hmm. because it was a shitty day or it was a great day or whatever. <laughs> and class became no priority. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the first things that I did in sobriety. And, and it served me well. So, and continuing to seek those things that I want to do because it gives me joy Mm -hmm. or it gives me some form of growth, Mm -hmm. that type of stuff, it opens up and I get to do those things today. And I do them. It's
2: pretty amazing amazing stuff. That's fantastic. I love those stories. Yeah. And you're a
0: really good typist. (laughs) You really are. Unless you're watching. Randy, thanks for joining us. Now we're going to to move to the next segment here, and I want you to stay because I think 15 years it might qualify as an old timer. I don't know when old timer comes in, but it's it's ambiguous. But what what is that?
1: (laughs) That owl! I swear, almost got my head that time. It's time for our old timers' question from a listener.
0: Who you calling an old-timer? You! That's what happens if you don't drink and you don't die. No matter how long you've been sober, it's still one day at the time, Sonny. (laughs) Sonny. So, we've got Dean
1: from Augusta, Georgia, who asks, Do I have to quit hanging out with my friends at the club? Hmm. Hmm.
0: Oh, boy, that's a difficult question when I first got sober. Yeah? Yeah. It's seems like, what am I going to, am I going to have to give up everything? And the answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) I gave up everything. I just focused on the friends that I made within recovery at first, Mm -hmm. Um, the people in AA. I had to change my playground and playmates, and that involved not hanging out with people who drank anymore. Mm-hmm. If you hang out in a barbershop long enough, you're going to end up with a haircut. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I didn't go to bars. And I quit going to bars. I quit going to restaurants that served alcohol. In fact, it was even going out to dinner was really difficult for me because I would focus on all the people who were drinking wine and just be miserable. I can't have a glass of wine, even though I'm having this fine meal and how much it would be enhanced with a fine Merlot. (laughs) But no, I can't have it. When I first got sober, I remember four, three, three years in a row, I went to the same restaurant at the beach, Carolina Beach. And the first year I went there, it was like going, I can't drink. Not for me anymore. I can't drink. The second year I went there, I went, I don't have to drink. It was an amazing experience to feel that after a year. It's not, it wasn't calling at me. And, you know, and the third year I went in, actually, I left the restaurant. Went, oh, that's that restaurant that (laughs) I went to. that I had that experience. That didn't even occur to me. So it gets better. And it's possible to be around people drinking and it to be completely neutral in time. But at first, it was absolutely essential that I don't be around people who drink and and drug. There was a concert, a band I really wanted to hear. And they were in town. they uh, They were touring. They were coming into town. They were playing at a bar. And... I was like going, I can do this, I've been sober a month, I, I can do this, and I was driving to the bar, It's a place called the Secret Garden at the time, and I was driving to the Secret Garden, and as I was driving there, I drove by a church where there was a beginner's meeting that met every Friday night, and I went,
2: ah. <laughs>
0: Turned right into the parking lot awesome. and went to the agree. beginners meeting because I felt un- squirrely, and I'm so glad I did that because I the the truth is I've got to be really honest with myself, and it's you know I can't even see my own thinking when I first got sober. Yes. and I could tell I'm uncomfortable with this. And this is not safe behavior for me to go into a bar where everybody is going to be drinking. There's this band that I want to sing. It's going to be no way I'm not going to get drunk. And I turned into the parking lot. And that's what needs to happen to get sober, is to make that one decision every time I'm going to make a decision that's turning towards sobriety rather than away from it.
1: I hear you. And it, it's, it's been a really important thing for me to, um, to pay attention to those moments. I mean, the biggest thing that I heard there, and, and I talked with my sponsor about this last night a little bit, and, uh, and he did one of those big book quotes that he apparently he can <laughs> thump on it, uh, <laughs> but it, basically that we can go anywhere in the world, provided mm-hmm. our motives are pure. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't aware of my motives when I first came in here. You know, I didn't know what what my was what what was true or false within me, and so that awareness was your thinking cloudy. It was cloudy. <laughs> I was thinking of a a, a Jimmy Collins song. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, I, I, I didn't I didn't have any business going into a a, a bar and such uh, in those early days because I was too close to my last drink. And I didn't know me well enough to be able to go into these places. Now, you know, I still went out to, uh, to restaurants and stuff like that. But I was also, I mean, I didn't frequent restaurants anyway, but it was with people who weren't drinking. They knew what I was up to. I was not hanging out with people that I used to drink with. And, uh, and all those things kicked in too. And so what happened is that, like you described, Don, over time, I got to this place where I had worked the steps and I had some time under my belt and I had experience of staying sober under my belt and I was able to go to bars on occasion and it's still on occasion. I am not one who was going to be at the bar every weekend, Um, but uh, it allowed me to go for the right reason. I remember one of the first times I went to a bar here, there was a big philanthropic event And then after that was over, a lot of people, a lot of my friends were going to the bar and I wanted to hang out with my friends. And that's exactly what I did. And it was the weirdest thing for me to realize that the last time I had been in that bar, I needed to drink in order to go into the bar. Because I had to (laughs) drink in order to be around people at the bar. Plus, it was cheaper to do a little bit of pregame anyway. But, um, Good excuse. But <laughs> but I'm there. There I am in the bar with my friends, and I'm talking to some strangers too. I'm meeting new people, and I realized I'm comfortable. I didn't need alcohol to be able to do this, mm-hmm. and
2: it's like, wow, now that is a change. Yeah, you know, I found that um, I will have friends now who are an alcoholic, and they will drink. Mm-hmm. They, and they're still my friends. And that's okay. But when I first got sober, um, I was caught up in what will these people think if I just abandoned them. You know, I, I don't even know if they knew my last name, but I, I felt you know it was important that they not think poorly of me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, you know, I learned that I had to change everything. If I was going to stay sober, I had to change everything. I had to change worrying about what those people would think. I had to change feeling the need to go someplace to hang out with people who drank. I don't, you know, I don't understand, now looking back, I don't understand what I was thinking or why that was important to me. Because I was one of those people who asked that same question of my sponsor. Why can't I go to the bar and hang out with my friends? And his answer was, you need to make new friends. Mm-hmm. And that's what needs to change. And thankfully, I took his advice and I made new friends. Some of those people who I wanted to hang out with are now in recovery also. Um, and that's the beauty of it. I stayed sober and I got instead of going back to them, they came to me. Neat. I like to think maybe I was part of that. and um, You I, may have been an example. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's what we need to strive to be. We need to be examples. And so if you're going to quit drinking and you're new in the program, stay away from the bar. Be an example. Yeah. That's what I think. I think
1: it's a great way to go. Yes. Yeah. You know, both of you talked, um, said that you changed everything. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you.
2: Because
1: <laughs> I like to be contentious. All right. I bet you didn't change everything. What I have found in my experience is that I didn't have to change everything. I had to be willing to change everything. Because if I was willing to change everything, then I wasn't picking and choosing right. what changed. I was willing for anything right. in my life to change for me to get and stay sober. Mm-hmm. But what happened is a lot of things in my life did stay the same. Mm-hmm. In the fact that, you know, I did have friends at work that I would go out to lunch with, mm-hmm. I do have friends. From my drinking and using days. Now, I'm not hanging out with them like I used to, but we're still friends. Now, granted, of the many people that I drink and <laughs> drugged with, there are four people that I know today <laughs> that I have any connection to uh, with any
0: frequency at all. Well, those are people you probably are, have other kinds of connections to than just alcohol. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and, th- and those friends fall away. The alcoholic (laughs) friends—they're a little. The alcoholic friends
1: seem to be a little threatened
0: by people getting (laughs) sober over over a period of time. Those (laughs) kinds of friends fall away, and the ones that are left. But some friends, there's more going on there. It's really hard to see at the beginning, but there's more going on there. And I have a a few friends that still drink, but we are friends on a different level than the friends that fell away. Where really, what the friendship was was. Self-destructive behavior. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, You drink like me. Let's hang out. Right yeah. Right. That wasn't consciously what it was, but it was definitely an no, moment.
0: Right. Yeah, it was. I think you're right. It generally feels like, it felt yeah. like I had to change everything. Everything didn't change.
2: No, everything didn't <clears throat> change, but you're right. The willingness. And I would still try to remain willing to let change happen when it needs to happen. I, I yeah. still try to keep that attitude. But, um, yeah. Sometimes it's got claw marks on it, though, right? There's <laughs> a lot of things I don't want to let go of. I still kind of grasp until it gets yanked away. <laughs> you know, I had a, a moment
1: of a complete acceptance recently. I went down to Atlanta last weekend, and, uh, and driving back, the interstate was closed in South Carolina. Hmm. Uh, and... I'm, you know, I'm using my GPS and, and to jump around and, and hop on these country roads and try to avoid all this mess. I didn't know at the time, you know, this was about 1 p.m. I didn't know at the time that the interstate had been closed since 4 I mean, a.m. <laughs> <a>. Yeah. <laughs> no. So there was I finally I just like everywhere I turned, I would land in traffic, land in mm-hmm. traffic, land in traffic, standstill traffic. And it was like, and I wasn't cussing at all during all of this. I'd actually meditated that morning. Uh, <laughs> are, you a, are you an
0: agitated driver?
1: God, yes. Drivers? Are you <laughs> like, Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, how mm-hmm. other people drive is a great barometer of my spiritual condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I <understand laughs> but I, I got into this situation where it's like, everywhere I turn, I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. And I didn't rail at it. I didn't lose my, I didn't lose it. And I didn't even cuss under my breath at it. It was really an odd situation. You was, became powerless. Yeah, so accepted, I accepted right? power-less, powerlessness. Right? Yes, yeah. and you know what? It's easy. I enjoy. I, I mean, I would choose to do this again, right? But I enjoyed it. I'm sitting there, you know, with the car in park on these country mm-hmm. roads, and I'm checking. You know, I don't do Facebook while I'm driving, but I did then because I wasn't moving. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> and I'm checking in with friends and. You know, being snarky about being stuck in traffic, and ooh, there's fireworks. Maybe I should buy some, and you know, things like that. It was just one mm-hmm. of those p- moments of, of accepting a situation. Mm-hmm. That was
0: just willingness to change and accept. Mm-hmm. That's a real gift that comes with sobriety. To be able in calamity—that's what ser- serenity is. Doesn't mean that there's not going to be difficulties and turmoil. It's serenity in calamity. That's when I've got it. It's being able to accept the chaos and go, okay, what can I change? What can't I change? And if I can't change it, I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to focus on what I can change and put my energy there so there's no wasted energy and it's easier. And every time what I can
1: change Usually, not every time. Yeah, maybe every time. <laughs> it's me. Right. It starts yeah. with me, at least. There may be other things I can change, but I've got to look at me first. And and invariably, the change starts with how I'm thinking and behaving.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Randy, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: We really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. It was a great conversation. It
1: was. <laughs> Duck! Doc ring. I mean Owl. (laughs) (laughs) That owl's getting talented. (laughs) Fanfare, Owl. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl Podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. Visit our website at boiledowlaa.org. Leave feedback or ask a question on the website or email giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous in your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of AA and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services.
0: Randy, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. It was a great conversation. It was. I'm going to cheat and stick this little thank you in before the owl approaches. That's what I was expecting you would do. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Shouldn't we be honest in all our affairs? Nah, this
1: is post-production
0: editing. (laughs) This is for the blooper
1: reel.